You are now listening to the Here for the Truth podcast, hosted by Joel Rafidi and Eurosimos. All right, everybody, Here for the Truth, episode 67. And we have an incredible guest for you, as always. We have Peter Pham. Peter Pham is the principal of Mart's Method, a human rights law firm and spiritual coaching platform operating out of the Rugland, west of Sydney. Mart's is the Egyptian goddess of truth, justice, and balance. The divine order which underpins our existence in this world, Peter is proud to stand in the light and tradition of his ancestors to fulfill what he believes is his mission, to remind people of who and what they really are. I absolutely love that man, and in reading that, I know our missions certainly are aligned. Peter is someone that I've been connected with for the past year, year and a half, someone who I've been communicating with um, regarding various various mandates and et cetera that's been going on and things that I've had to deal with in my own life as well. And he's offered some sage advice at timely times for sure. Peter, brother, thank you so much for being here for the truth. It's a real pleasure to be here. I'm, um, I, I came across Joel first on Instagram. Um, I think it was early... 2020, 2020, early 2020. And uh, it was very refreshing, as I've said this to Joel before, it was very refreshing to see someone um, speaking so honestly about what was happening in the world um, and just shining their light for others. So I knew I was going to connect with Joel somehow. And it's good to be on this platform because these spaces are getting smaller. So um, it's good that you guys are doing this. Thanks for what you do. No, nah, man, we we we, would, we wouldn't be doing anything else. And you know as well as I do, man. In in, in speaking our truth, we we find our tribe, we find our people. You know what I mean? This is why it's so important to to speak out and let it be known. Um, yes. And this is just the the proof that's in the pudding, bro. Let's 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 dive deep. Can you give me the breakdown of your your hero's journey, your origin story, major rites of passage? How did you how did you grow and evolve into who you are today? Wow, what a question! That's the that's the question, isn't it? Really, mm-hmm. um, I uh, went through what a lot of people, I guess, call a dark night of the soul um, when I encountered the Sydney CBD. I guess was a trigger. Um, I never felt. I mean, growing up, I didn't feel like the society I lived in was very aligned with who I was as a person. I always felt like um, if I showed parts of who I am, I was shamed for it or or it just didn't quite fit in. And there was a discomfort that I didn't understand um, until pretty recent or a few years ago. Um, to the extent that I understand it, I'm still learning about myself. But um, everything came to a bubbling over point when I was in corporate law um, it was the the most far removed from who I am as a person I could possibly be, which I knew going into it, that was what was going to happen. But um, I also knew I sort of wanted to experience it mm-hmm. to really see what that was like. And indeed, it was what I feared <laughs> it would be, which was a very um, detached place from who I am and who I believe we are as well. So um, my life uh, has kind of been a series of um choices um that are thrown at me 
where I can choose to be myself or choose to compromise. And when I was in corporate law, that was kind of the, the point where I said, okay, no more compromises. I'm going to start choosing to just be who I am. And from there, um, I dropped um, a lot of the, the baggage that I was holding and a lot of what I was trying to present to the world in a way of, um, I guess, trying to uh, pr prove that um, that I was okay for that world. I, I realised that that world actually wasn't something that I wanted to be okay for and it wasn't who I am anyway and have decided to instead just just uh, be myself. So I guess there was a, a trigger which was a period of real difficulty. I was really, I was pretty depressed when I was in the corporate law world. I, I um, um, found it very difficult, although on the outside I was doing well and I was performing well in that world. Um, I was in deep spiritual pain mm -hmm. and um, that really just, it was like a course correction um, and since then I've been, uh, listening more to how I feel and what, um, I think the universe is telling me. Awesome, man. It's when, when what, that was an awkward answer to your question, but I, <laughs> no, not the best I can do. I'm just curious from a timeline standpoint, little, like, when, when was this period where you were having like kind of the, the deep dark night of the soul and you know, questioning yeah. the path as a corporate lawyer and wanting to step more into, you know, your, your truth. It was about, um, it's about four, four or so years ago where I was actually in corporate law. Um, and sort of, uh, yeah, had my own journey going on at the same time, but I was, uh, th that, that, um, yeah, it was about four years ago that I was in, that I was in corporate law. And then since then, I mean, it seems like a lot has happened since then, but um, a lot has happened since then. Um, things have changed a lot yeah, awesome. in my life. Yeah. For sure, bro. What, what is your, 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 your spiritual foundation, so to speak? Um, yeah, I think that's, that's really important for me. Um, I am, I draw a lot of strength from my lineage and my ancestors. I'm uh, what people call today is Coptic, although I'm not uh, particularly, uh, if you sort of Googled what a Coptic is, um, there's a religious element to it because, so I'm Egyptian. Um, the, the Copts, we trace our lineage back beyond the current colonial powers in Egypt. So Egypt is currently uh, predominantly an Islamic um, Republic before that he just been colonized by everybody. So before that it was colonized by the Romans, the Greeks, Persians, um, before all that, we believe, um, we were there. <laughs> so we're, uh, indigenous to that part of Northern Africa. Mm -hmm. Um, I have always loved, um, the, the, the myths. So, uh, something I say is a myth is something that, um, is not true, but has always been true of, of ancient Egypt and the comedic spirituality, um, is something that I get a lot of my foundation from. It's my framework for viewing the world in a lot of ways, but I also, I also, I, I really just like, um, 
all kinds of ancient um, spiritualities and frameworks. I have a, a Hindu friend who has pulled me into Hinduism a bit, and I really like that framework as well. Um, in general, I think that um, we all we all sort of have our own way of of interpreting um, what's going on and dealing with it accordingly. But um, the ancient Egyptian way is mostly what I go to. <laughs> cool, bro. So, like, when 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 you were, um, I guess, were, were, were working in corporate law, I guess there's there's this essential um, dissonance that arises when I guess that the world or the environment you find yourself in is not in complete alignment with with who you are. So from there, I, I don't know obviously your whole story, but I understand that you ended up working um, in uh, um, what's the what's what, what's the I went to Legal Aid, yeah. Legal so Aid, that's right. And then Legal yeah. Aid had some issues when you started, I guess, speaking some truth in, in, in regards to certain things that were happening the, the past two years. Can you talk about that? Yeah, sure. So um, I came into law as an abuse lawyer. Um, I didn't, I don't, I, I've always been trying to escape law, but I can't escape it. Um, so even out of corporate law, this thing, human rights law came up at Legal uh -huh. Aid, which is obviously a lot of people who are in law aspire to be human rights lawyers. A lot of people go to law school hoping to become um, human rights lawyers because a lot of people going into law genuinely want to do the right thing. Um, now, this, yeah, human rights law um, came up at Legal Aid, which is obviously a government role, and um, I was quite curious about what a human rights lawyer at in a government department would would. Be because in my experience so far in life and also in law, um, the breacher of human rights is usually the government. Mm -hmm. um, however, I was told upon joining Legal Aid that it was a, an independent statutory body and they get their funding is not dependent on the work that they do and the claims are still against, um, for example, the police for um, uh, heavy-handed policing or illegal policing or against the government for all kinds of things uh, that we all know the government does. Um, I was at Legal Aid for a couple of years and, um, is you know, people are doing their best um, and everybody there was um, doing some good work. However, I, it, it is bound up in the regulations of those kinds of departments where ultimately you do hit walls when you're trying to do something um well what i would say was meaningful or important i would often hit a wall um an example of that is a lot of the work i did was around the way indigenous people are treated by the police mm -hmm. and one of the most powerful ways to raise awareness of that would be to go to the media and say hey look at this this 12 year old kid just getting absolutely bashed by this cop um, but at legal aid, you weren't allowed to do that because there were some sensitive relationships between maybe the commissioner of police and the person who's at the top of legal aid. Um, towards the end of my time in legal aid, the COVID-19 stuff was all coming to the surface. And I was in my own life um, starting to do that work outside of legal aid because I have training as a lawyer and a lot of um, what was happening had to do with the law and with the perspective and the and the um, the 
all the perspective I had on what was going on, plus my training as a lawyer, that was quite um, a powerful thing because not many lawyers still um, have the perspective of, of what's going on at the moment. They're caught up in their identity as lawyers and their own trauma and their own conditioning and programming and all of that. Um, as I started to speak up more and more and more, I started to get in more and more trouble at Legal Aid. Um, in particular, there was this one article that I wrote um, called the, the Curious Case of the Unlawful Public Health Orders, which is not a great name, but it, <laughs> it, um, it ended up going pretty viral. And yep. um, it was essentially I was looking at the public health orders and just saying, come on, this is, this is pretty outrageous. Um, and I made an academic case for why they weren't lawful. I, I don't say it was a perfect case, but it was um, one person um, looking at the law and making an academic argument which about why legally they may not be sound. Um, got a lot of traction and I got in a lot of trouble and that was a trigger for me where I said, okay, we're going in different directions here. Um, I knew that eventually I wanted to do my own thing, but I would have preferred at that point to have done it further down the road, maybe when I had more perceived knowledge or security or whatever. Um, nonetheless, I just had to make the choice to be authentic and pivot away, um, especially given what's going on in the world right now. Yeah, and uh, so were you were you forced out of legal aid because of that article, or am I wrong in that? Uh, no, I wasn't forced out. Um, I had a contract at legal aid that was expiring in early uh, early this year. It would have expired actually. Um, the, in government roles, as you know. Generally, most people are on contracts and the contracts renew. Um, I had a, I wasn't forced out. I was in a lot of disciplinary meetings and things like that. Yep. Um, and I also knew that they were going to bring in the vaccine mandate soon as well. And my manager knew that I was not vaccinated, not planning to be vaccinated, and I was transparent about that. And I kind of had a choice to make um, whether to jump off the cliff now and immediately go all out all of my time trying to work directly on what's going on in the world because I was doing it on the side already yeah. or kind of spend a lot of what I thought would just be wasted energy um, fighting against um, legal aid and saying, oh, there shouldn't be a vaccine mandate and so on. I kind of just wanted to dodge all of that and put all of my energy into um, helping people. So. Yes. Um, I, I left before I was pushed, if that makes sense, but it was getting pushy. <laughs> yeah. Nah, got you, man. It's so funny, bro. That article was sent to me by seven or eight different people before I even knew who you were or, or we even met or or, or or any of that. So it certainly did go viral. Then I remember we were on the same men's call once, mm. once upon a time um, and the conversation yes. came up and you were telling me you were, you were a human rights lawyer and whatnot and that you wrote that article and all the synchronicities came in. So... As a human rights lawyer, can you can you clear out for the audience what of the past two years actually has been not not within it or has been in, in breach of that? <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, yes and no. The, <laughs> uh, the, the legal system is um is a system which um 
society it, uh, still as, sort of ascribes to and gives meaning to and gives power to. Um, within within the boundaries of the, the legal system, I do believe that um, a lot of what's happened in the past two years is not lawful. Um, however, the problem is that the overall legal system itself is, let's say, infected with the same um, poison or, or corruption as the rest of society. Yeah. So um, because of that, the to assess the legality of what's happening using the legal system is a difficult thing to do because the legal system is part of the problem. Mm-hmm. However, um, yes, there are laws um, that have not been used in the way they were supposed to be used. A good example of that is the Public Health Act. Each state and territory has a Public Health Act, um, which is an act that is supposed to, in times of um, pandemic or emergency, um, give the minister extraordinary powers to use, rather than go through the checks and balances of those acts and um, do what the acts uh, are designed for, which is to provide a measured response to an emergency. Um, The ministers have all just kind of taken shortcuts and um, misinterpreted, in my opinion, one section of each act in order to make these public health directions or public health orders and make these sweeping um, orders that have obviously restricted and, and affected everybody's lives, like the, the restrictions on movement and the vaccination orders and so on. So the public health orders are um, unlawful uses of broader legislative schemes, the public health acts. However, they're only unlawful if a court says that it's unlawful. And myself and probably less than 10 other lawyers are currently doing our best within that system to get a court to admit or to say that it's unlawful. Um, But it's difficult in that context to get that kind of result. And ultimately, I think, and I'm probably going beyond the scope of the question a bit, but ultimately, I think that um, the legal system is, is, in its current form, is not going to be the solution to what's happening right now. Um, It needs to be something that is broader than that and that comes from within each person. Yeah. So... Strictly from a human rights perspective, for example, and obviously, in my opinion, we obviously have inalienable rights which exist beyond the system. But yes. within within the framework of the legal human rights system, what are, what what general human rights are actually given to, a, to to an individual according to the system? For example, like the rights of protest, right? You'd think that there would be a given human rights that is protected by, by by one of these conventions or whatnot. But we saw, for example, that that's not exactly the case, perhaps. Um, can you expand on that? Yeah. Sure. Australia's um, human rights framework is very poor. Um, mm-hmm. There are international covenants and agreements that Australia are signatory to, like the International Covenant on Civil and Political Rights. Um, but although Australia has signed these agreements, they're not enshrined in domestic law. So um, 
Australia doesn't have a Bill of Rights. Um, the Constitution maybe enshrines people's right to uh, political communication, but it's pretty poor and the High Court hasn't really enforced it anyway. So basically, um, Australian law is very bad at enshrining human rights. Um, the US is much better um, than Australia is, um, and lots of other countries are, actually. Um, but yeah, in terms of what human rights do you have within the system, yeah, um, not that many. Therefore, that's why I tend to go outside of the system, but and try to direct people there as well. But um, the system is not very good at protecting or enforcing human rights in Australia. Is is there a reason why why you think that Australia is so lackluster in that area compared to other countries? Yeah, I think it has to do with Australia's lack of um, solid foundation as a country. Um, Australia is a 300-year-old um, penal colony built on the land of um, an 100,000-year-old society that they came in and killed and genocided. Um, I think that a poisonous tree bears poisonous fruit and um, the society that we find ourselves in in Australia is only as good as the foundation that it that it's built on and the foundation is not solid at all. It's, um, it's, as you know, it's, uh, well, yeah, I think that's all I could say. Nah, fair enough, man. Um, so like from your perspective, what are actual reasonable, tangible steps or processes that can be taken to begin to, to, to correct some of these systems, you know, everybody, um, or is it, or is it a matter of, you may just, Obviously, where the standpoint that I've come from for a lot of this is fuck the system. Um, it is. Um, I don't know about how far I would go with. I do think I do agree mostly with fuck the system. However, we do also still live in this system to some extent. Mm-hmm. Um, I think ultimately the answer is that. Um, everybody needs to go inside themselves. Everything is about us as individual human beings. Um, if we feel like we need the system in some way, that's usually a trick. Um, this is a time when we're being forced inside and forced to um, be self-sufficient and be autonomous and be sovereign, right? This, this, the legal system, for all of its uh, pomp and grandeur, it does not make us who we are. Yep. Who we are is who we are. Um, and we need as a as a collective and as individuals to return to self and return to um, a knowledge and understanding and foundation which is solid, which is the foundation that we all have within ourselves. And I know it's a bit, um, it's not very tangible to a lot of people, but... Um, Ultimately, what's happening right now is a collective return to self and that we're seeing that these systems that are outside of us aren't very productive or useful or positive and um, any little steps we can take to be self-sufficient would be a positive thing to do, in my opinion, at the moment. Yeah, man, I I obviously agree. And, you know, this is is the extent where I say, um, you know, because ultimately, these systems are designed essentially um, to, to serve us, one would think. 
one would think that the purpose of such systems would be to protect individual rights and to protect human rights. And that yes. the, the, I guess, the, the sway of power is currently reversed on some level. Um, so I think you're right. In order to get back there, I think we do need to embody a little bit of, a little bit of the fuck the system until the system is willing to do what it was, I guess, designed to do in the first place. Now, in saying that, it wasn't really designed to do that in Australia. I mean, when, if you look at the founding of America, I think it's a different story when we talk about individual rights and the purpose of government, ultimate purpose of government, the ultimate purpose of the law is simply to protect those rights at the end of yes. the day. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the way I see it all, man, is a lot of the flaws and a lot of the holes within these systems are being, have, are being exposed and have come to the surface for yes. um, for, for the maliciousness that they that, that they that they are and they do pose. And I believe that through this process, more and more people are waking up to those gaping holes and those gaping flaws and the areas yes. where where the system is on some level not designed to serve them and more so inclined to enslave them. And I think to to the degree that people wake up to that, people and people that are making a return towards self are going to be naturally inclined to reject those aspects of the system. And so it's my hope that a natural self-correction will occur um, through that process. Beautiful idea. And um, I believe that's occurring too. I um, I think that, uh, as you said very beautifully just now, society is um, in, a, in a, a process um, which is correcting itself. And... Um, as it corrects itself and as um, the, it's like um, one analogy that I think of is it's like kind of getting out of bed in the morning sometimes. I say this because this is like the first cold day of the year um, we've had. So I was thinking about the cold and what it does. Um, you're in bed and it's comfortable and you don't want to get out of bed, right? You yep. prefer to stay in there. It feels nice. But when you, you know if you do get out of bed, you know, and once you do get out of bed, it's a positive thing. Um, if you stay in bed all week, you'll probably waste away. Um, this, what's happening right now is like a collective getting out of bed. It's uncomfortable, but once we all get through the discomfort, um, it's going to be um, a much <laughs> brighter, more uh, human experience that we're living through. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, definitely, man. And I think it's also um, what's taken place has almost given people permission to to reclaim more of their individual power and their personal power because it's so blatant that they they draw lines with the system, that they disagree with the system. For example, yes. I'm just simply not going to be coerced or forced to get the vaccine. And if that's the yes. line that you want to take, then you're going to yes. force me to find other avenues to invest yes. my energy and to, and to grow my power and to become more, 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 more self-reliant as well. Um, yeah. and, th and that's what's happened with me. Um, yeah. I was um, essentially forced to jump off a cliff before I otherwise would have, but because of what's happening. And um, there's a quote by Ram Das. He says that life is the curriculum of the soul. Um, I was forced to mm. deal with a lot of things internally that I wouldn't have to have had to deal with and yep. to start my own business and everything that comes with that and deal with the uncertainty of that and to 
Um, but it's an it's these are all opportunities because now I'm living much more authentically. I'm able to be myself. I'm not in corporate law anymore. I I didn't have this hair when I was in corporate law, but <laughs> I actually um, I actually did at one point when I was a corporate lawyer. This was a, a funny story. That's kind of a moment of what that diversion back to myself was. I did get dreadlocks when I was in corporate law. Um, I knew I wanted I wanted to have them for a long time and. I got them when I was in corporate law and then I cut them off the same weekend because I was too, I knew that it was going to be too much of a, uh, a disruption in that world. And I, I, so I was okay, that's it. After that, I, I'm not, I'm never doing that again. I'm, I'm just going to be myself. And that's the opportunity that this huge, um, tension filled external environment gives us. And some, it's kind of like the gun to the head. Um, for a lot of people unfortunately it seems like we need a pretty big shake <laughs> to to get back on track but um yes more and more people every day are reaching out to me and um telling me that this has been a very positive process for them life is, is life is so much better when you can just be yourself you know when you don't have to walk oh. in eggshells you yes. know, I think back to like years ago working in a small element of the corporate world uh, and wearing a suit and tie every day. And not not to say I don't like wearing a suit and tie, but it just the, the formal element of it, the like, hmm, I need to show up in a certain way and I need to speak in a certain way. And if I if I it's quite ridiculous, a, yeah. if I use a different tone or if I speak about something outside of, you know, the confines of what we're talking about when it comes to law or whatever the case may be. It's just like, yes. it's, it's, there's like a stiffness, there's a tightness, like there's not a yes. fluidity where you can just feel like you're, you accept yourself fully. And then another person is accepting you fully and, and you can just dance and you can have dialogue and it's all good. It's yes. just when you're in, yeah, that's not very that's productive. Different. That doesn't no. produce a lot of, uh, that doesn't produce a lot of results and, and resources. And I, I agree. Know. I agree. I couldn't have any of that. It's kind of, but it, what, what what takes place on on the external is kind of symbolic of what's going on in the inside. You know what I mean? You begin to compromise yourself to fit into a certain world. So you change the way you look, you change the way you dress, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then yes. eventually play that charade long enough. And the, the external inauthenticity is going to generate internal inauthenticity as well, because the external compromises that you make to fit into that world, eventually it's, it's going to filter in and infest the compromises that you make internally to fit in with that, with that within that paradigm as well. Indeed. And, and if you look at the society that we live in, it's clearly a society filled with individuals who have um, made a lot of compromises because um, if they hadn't, we wouldn't be where we are. Um, I, I wonder whether using this analogy of individuals and society, as an individual, the spiritual pain, I think, well, for me, it became too much to bear and I had to go the other way. Yep. And I'm I, one of the things I think about is where is that point for the collective consciousness? Um, I do think that it is going the other way, but there's still a lot of pain and torment that um, is, is in, going on in the world at the moment. So it's something I think about. I mean, I think that the next... Uh, five or ten years are going to remain very uncomfortable externally for anybody who um, draws their reliance from the external world. Um, and we're, we're all going to be forced to be much more 
self-reliant in that time, then whatever level we are now, we're all going to have to level up. Yeah, I, I, I think people that are making those moves and transitions now simply have a head start. I mean, it, w- it would seem that, you mean, the, the, the pain, so to speak, has subsided for, 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 for the meantime. That doesn't mean that it's not yeah. going to come again. I think that people will make, be making a huge mistake in getting comfortable and in thinking that, you know what I mean, I'm not going to be coerced or forced in another way by, by, by new means ever again. And like we speak of the collective consciousness, but ultimately to me, that collective is only made up of individuals. There's only individual minds and only individual consciousness, which is very, is essentially makes up that collective. And what yeah. I see is that people are waking up in waves, which are relative to, to, to this shadow that's being forced up by, by this pain that's being perpetuated by these systems, you know? And I think it, each the, the level or the degree of pain that each individual is willing to, to bear before they're like, okay, that's enough. I'm going to fucking do what it takes to, to, to move through this is obviously different. So, yes. you know what I mean? I think, for example, what we saw the last two years was there there was a bunch of individuals who weren't who weren't willing to 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 bear that level of pain you know yes we we all we all did have the proverbial gun to our heads and people made different choices accordingly and i think the next time when that gun becomes pointed again um there's obviously going to be another quote unquote collective awakening which is simply relative to a a a, a, a bunch of individuals who are going to say that's enough and then they'll have to start yes. that process as well but it's always yes. painful, painful reclaiming reclaiming that power for yourself because it means yes. you have to become acutely aware of all the inauthenticity, all the compromise yes. that you've accrued. Yes, yes, indeed. It's um, you know, people call it shadow work, and yep. it's they use the word work for a reason. It's a huge, it's extremely courageous and um, um, powerful, but courageous is probably the key um to to make that choice and then to act on it to to choose to engage with what's in the shadows um and it's you know i i always um admire and respect people who are doing that because i know what that means it's a choice that is an individual choice but it's also a collective choice and it's ultimately i think the greatest act of love that one can have for the collective which is to do that deep self shadow work to look at your own demons, stare at the wall and don't look away. It's tempting to look away. It just keeps staring at the shadows and um, also being kind to yourself as what comes up might come up and, and working through that. Um, Absolutely, man. And like the thing is that the shadow doesn't only contain your, your demons and your devils and all the bull crap. It also contains all your potential. It also contains all your yes. possibility for, for, for success, all that ambition. Indeed. There's so much vital psychic energy that is tangled up trying to keep these demons at bay that when you actually let that go, when, when, you, when you move through and work through and, and, and untangle that, there's so much more accessible to us to actually use towards productive effort um, at, at, at the same time. And the reason why in our, to, in our society today, just to... to play off that um a lot of people are struggling with what's happening and and feel like they don't have a choice is because that potential that you talk about that's trapped in those shadows trapped in that trauma i just hasn't been given the space to play Um, and often it's it's um 
it's the courage to just take a take a look inside uh, that gives those people the potential to then deal with and engage with the external reality. I think that's something that um, I have to remind myself and, and that I acknowledge is that we, we're not living in a normal time. It's um, I guess in my day-to-day work, I'm always encountering people who um, are really going through it, like people who are dealing with serious um, you know, they've lost their job because of a vaccine mandate and it's a single mum with like four kids and she's doesn't have, she's homeless. And um, we're living in a time that is, uh, everything is really turned up to 11 or 12. um, And it's a beautiful process. um, But one that, to use that example again, one where that mother, when I speak to her, says to me, you know, it's really difficult, but I can see what's happening here. I can feel what's happening, um, which is a, a, a sort of encapsulation of what's happening, I think. Yeah, dude, it's, and it's, it's even, even, even with my, within my world, I find that um, it's quite sobering because it's actually, it's a little bit easier for me than you, I guess, to forget the actual pain, the damage that has been caused um, because of everything that's taken place, you know, um, particularly people who who built lives dependent on the system, then all of a sudden have that swept from under the rug. And I'm sure you're encountering that every single day. Um, so like in, in, in your process now and in your, in, in your efforts, is there... Is there is there help available to them? Is there any kind of remorse? Is there any kind of support that's now being offered, or is it or is it still they're holding the same line of either you know you, you compromise yourself or that's it? Um, help that's being offered is the, is the government changing their tune at all around 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 these issues? Are you are you sensing that on any level? As you said, things have receded. The tide has receded. So some of the mandates are dropping and um, there is a, a lower intensification right now. Um, but these, the, the reason I use the analogy of the tide receding is because um, that happens. It goes in and it comes out and it goes in and it comes out. Yeah. Um, to answer your question more directly, I would say no. I don't think the government um, has changed their tune. Um inevitably the government is going to have a choice over time um whether to the government when i say the government i'm referring to the actual politicians who yep. are sort of in power um they're got they're going to be able to choose to acknowledge to use the example of vaccines to acknowledge that okay maybe we shouldn't have forced this on everyone there's a lot of adverse events there's a lot of death reports uh, a lot of people, are, this is affecting their health, um, our bad. <laughs> or they can really dig in and just kind of go down faster. Um, um, but at the moment, the governments are, are just like little kids. They're um, desperate not to admit that they've done anything wrong. They're holding on to this, um, no, 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 you know, it's, it's, it's quite childlike. Um, what they're doing and people can't really get much assistance from them at present if on a more direct level um, the main one of the main things people are still going through is Mm -hmm. uh, dismissal from work Um, 
you can go to the Fair Work Commission or the Industrial Relations Commission and you might be able to, if you've been unfairly dismissed, which means you've made a decision, let's say, um, to remain unvaccinated in this example, um, despite your company or industry mandating that you have to be in order to work there. Um, I mean, my opinion of that is that it's not, um, it's not lawful within the rules of the law, within employment law, within the system for any employer to mandate a medical in intervention for their staff. Um, it's a clear abrogation of, of the laws. If you look at the common law around employers intervening in employees' lives, um, there's always been a, a reluctance to do that. The closest example to vaccination is medical examinations, which is very far away from vaccination, but it's the closest one you have. And in the common law, in the cases, the precedent, um, the courts are very, very reluctant to say that employers should be able to force employees to undergo medical examinations. So for all of these companies to now think that it's okay to force a medical procedure on their staff, especially when, especially in circumstances where the staff, um, the company has no knowledge of the thing that they're implementing at all, no expertise. So they could not ever deem it to be, say, a reasonably practicable measure to mitigate a risk in the first place and where the staff member maybe works from home, maybe, you know, it doesn't matter on their circumstance, they're just mandating it as a whole, um, is pretty outrageous. It's a clear breach of the, the law itself. However, until a court actually says that yeah. um, for the individual, there's not that much that that, that doesn't really help them. So instead, I come back to um, the more individual level solutions, the detachment from that system and self-reliance, um, the community and so on. Yep. Because like I've, I've had friends that work for certain big banks, for example, who obviously yeah. have been forced to work from home during this period, but they're still being mandated even, even for the fact that they now work from home, you know? Yeah. And the like banks and obviously schools is a massive one as well. I mean, all yeah. all, all, all teachers that refuse to get the GB jab um, were yeah. forced to leave were forced to leave their jobs at the end of the day. You know, um, yeah. so do you do you think that that's going to change regarding schools in Australia? Yes, uh, it it has to change over time. Uh, what? Um, if you say when you say that has to change the mandating of the vaccine specifically, do you think that unvaccinated teachers will be allowed to return to school eventually in the, in in, the, in in Australia? Yeah, the schools are going to have a choice over time because the truth always comes out over time, yeah. um, and it's already happening, right? The amount of people who got the vaccines and they didn't want to get them and had a health problem is huge. There's hundreds of thousands of people who felt off when they got the vaccine. Um, because I talk to them all the time. They're like, yeah, I got it. And I didn't want to get it, but I got it. Yeah. And it, um, I felt that that was something I felt that, um, or their, their uncle died or their, their, their friend got myocarditis or whatever. Mm -hmm. Truth always comes out. So the schools over time are not going to be able to maintain this ridiculous. You have to get this vaccine in order to work for us because the vaccine is self evidently not what it is supposed yep. to be. Um, so yeah, I, how long will that take? I'm not sure. Um, I think that 
the broader question is, should companies, should uh, workplaces be telling people what to do with their health and their bodies, right? I think companies fell into a trap here. Um, the, the carrot was dangled in front of them by government by saying, you know, the government really pressured and pressured companies into mandating vaccination, but the companies didn't have to do it. Yeah. Um, and those that did have kind of dug this hole for themselves that they're still currently, for the most part, trying to justify. The smarter companies are saying, okay, we probably shouldn't have done that and stepping away from it. Um, but, uh, yeah, a lot of them are, are unfortunately trying to justify decisions rather than just admit that, okay, maybe we shouldn't have jumped to that and what can we learn from this for the future about the relationship between a person and their own health and an employee and an employer. Um, so I do think it'll change. Um, how long it will take is difficult to say. On a more direct level, there are cases that myself and some of the lawyers who I work with um, have. So one example is that people may know Serene Tefaha. She's had her practicing certificate removed um, because of the work, this kind of work. Um, which is an example, one reason why there's not many law more lawyers doing it. Um, anyway, she and I and some of the other lawyers that we work together in tandem with have had cases in court about the illegality of vaccine mandates for more than a year. Um, and inexplicably, those cases are yet to go before a judge. Whereas other cases with arguments that maybe aren't as solid or um, that are easier to pick holes in have gone before a judge and have been heard and mm. set negative precedents that are then more challenging to get around. So I have to be a little careful about what I say because uh, my practicing certificate is currently still valuable, mm -hmm. um, seems to be valuable, although that's an example of uh, uh, um, something that um, the system uh, has on me that, you know, if I have to release, it's okay. But um, it is, yeah, it's it, it's strange that some of the decisions, the decisions that have been heard so far um, seem to be decisions that are more subjective in nature. Um, cases that are built on subjective arguments like bodily integrity and things that are subjective. And if there's something that's subjective, the the court will obviously find in accordance with its sensibilities. Whereas if there's a more objective argument based on, say, statutory construction, what does the law say? One plus one equals two. Um, there's no room for subjectivity. And one of those examples, and the reason I'm going on this tangent, is because in employment law, there's a very solid argument to say um, that employers cannot lawfully mandate vaccines for their staff. Um, it's not within the authority. It's not within the um, the power of the work health and safety legislative scheme for employers to do that. But for some reason, the federal court has not yet allowed that case to be heard, despite it being filed more than a, more than a year ago. Hey guys, hope you've been enjoying the first half of this amazing episode with Peter Pham. Just wanted to interrupt quickly to let our amazing listeners know that. Applications for our private eight-week group training program, Rise Above the Herd, are open again now. And this is strictly for you if you're listening to this. We have not announced this to the public yet. This is only for our listeners. 
So if you're listening to this, if you've been sitting on the fence about joining the, the first course and you missed it and you want to get an application in for the second run, this is the ultimate opportunity. Um, so you can now head to riseaboveTheHerd.com.au. We'll put the link in the show notes as well. And you can learn more about the course and apply. Please enjoy the rest of this episode. Now, I'm assuming this is happening now, but do you envision more and more people in the future filing lawsuits against companies they've worked for, for mandating them? And, and does that hold water, you know, based on, I don't, again, I don't understand the Australian legal system super well, but especially if they've, if they've gotten injury because of the mandate, like I understand in the US, like, you, you know, they're, they're, you know, pharmaceutical companies, et cetera, aren't held liable. But can a company that's mandating you to get to, to take part in this, like this human experiment, hmm. and if you get injury, can you then go after the company instead of going after the doctor or the, the pharmaceutical industry? Yeah, on an individual level, it will depend on your employment contract and your relationship with the employer. You Generally, though, there's a huge risk of liability there for the company mandating the vaccine. Um, are more and more people coming forward? Um, one of the problems I'm facing, and where I, I say we sometimes, there's like a collective group of five or six lawyers who I know who are kind of on the same page. Um, and we're not all part of the same firm, but we all just work together in a way. And one of the problems we're facing is there's a cognitive dissonance still, which is how I know that the collective consciousness still has a way to go. Even with, for example, the mother of a child who is vaccine injured and whether that mother is willing to um, accept that the vaccine caused the injury. Um, and there is a lot of um, the system. So that mother will go to a doctor who is sort of skeptical and will, you know, her child was fine um, and then got vaccinated. And, and let's say the child has myocarditis, which is, it's almost, um, almost impossible, if not impossible, that the child would all of a sudden get myocarditis, except for the fact that they had a vaccine a few days before. But the mother goes to the doctor and the doctor says, oh, it's unlikely it was the vaccine. You know, these things happen. Has the child had COVID? Maybe the child had COVID and you didn't know about it and that caused the myocarditis. And then the mother talks to her friends and her friends are saying, oh, no, it's not the vaccine. You're crazy. You're one of those anti-vaxxers. And then by the time she comes around to us and we're saying, hey, no, we, we believe you. We think that your child has been harmed by a wrong, that your child has suffered a terrible injury and there might be something you can do about it. You might be able to uh, be the plaintiff in a legal action. Um, it, we found it very difficult to actually get people who are willing to go through that process because it takes a, an acceptance that um, people don't seem to be ready for yet that actually that is what caused the injury. I think for a mother, for example, for a parent, they have to accept that maybe something they did has harmed their child, which is, a, you know, yeah. earth shattering, talk about dark night of the soul. Like, yeah, that's a, that's a, a vulnerability that m most people don't have the, the psycho emotional fortitude to hold space for that. And, you know, this is something we've been dealing with for, for decades. Anyone who's been involved in the, you know, the, you know, the fight for, you know, vaccine truth, um, this has been happening for so long. So, you know, I get it. I have compassion and I can only imagine what that's like. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, indeed. And I guess the reason I bring that up is because from a legal perspective, one of the strange things is, you know, we have all the data. I just finished dealing with a federal court case against the Department of Health where um, every piece of data you could possibly have, we went through and we, Peter McCullough was uh, helping us and um, experts from around the world in putting together essentially a package just to show um, the danger of these pharmaceutical products. Um, however, um, although there is a lot of that injury, unfortunately, and harm, um, the people who go through that experience, unfortunately, um, ultimately, a legal action has to be brought by an injured party and by people who are willing to go through that process. So whatever the collective process is that's going on, it will get to a point where enough people have been harmed and wronged and are also ready to hold that space, as you say, Erasmus, um, to be actively pursuing some form of justice. Um, we're not quite there yet from what I can tell. Mm. I'm super impressed with your pronunciation of Erasmus, by the way. I know. Oh, I, I, I guessed. <laughs> you did a great job. Right. Thank you. Oh, I'm glad. I'm glad. That's important. And we're, we're definitely getting a struck on YouTube for this episode. Myocarditis, vaccine, 5G, oh. COVID. Well, we'll just have to, yeah. Donald, Donald, Donald Trump. <laughs> unless <laughs> unless oh, Elon right. Musk buys YouTube next. <laughs> yeah, 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 indeed. Oh, that's crazy. That, I think that's crazy, man. I don't know what the four. What do you think about that? Elon Musk? I don't know. I don't what do you know. think about this guy? <laughs> okay. Yeah. This is this is what I this is what I think. I might cop some yeah. backlash for this, whatever. But I try to look at things as rationally as possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is this a bad thing that he that he's bought Twitter and turned it into a private company? Twitter was a fucking cesspool anyway. How can this be? How can oh, what, yeah. what, what what is there to lose in this process? Yeah. So he's can, turning it into a private company. That he's turning it into a private company. He's claiming to gonna you mean remove all of the algorithm bullshit, all the censorship, and bring it back to a place of free speech. Right. Okay. And then we obviously enter, there's this potential cycle that people might be afraid of that, oh, but now you've got this guy running this thing and who is this guy and what are his ultimate intentions? I agree though. I think that from what Twitter currently is and yeah. for what the general tech landscape currently is, um, it's difficult to get to go wrong. And um, we don't, as much as we don't, you know, need those platforms it would be nice if suddenly twitter became a place that everybody could say whatever they want to say that would be cool um dude if you if you i'm an absolutist when it comes to free speech if if, so, if the yeah, world's biggest social media platform makes a shift towards free speech that can be a catalyst Huge. for everything if, if 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 the narrative is going to be equally presented on the biggest social media platform on the planet what are the consequences of that massive Massive. It could certainly help a lot of people along in just having a fair access to information, um, um, which would be great. That would be great. Yeah. Yeah. That's the main thing. I mean, if you can't have access to both sides, how do you make a decision? You know, yes. even again, even when it comes to this issue we're talking about with certain pharmaceutical products, um, you know, when has there been proper informed consent? It doesn't happen. No, because it, it hasn't because it, if all. if it did happen, most parents would be like, "F that." Dude, you know? one of the things I've been super disappointed about in well, I say disappointed. Well, I have been is 
in doctors and the medical profession. Um, and I say that with the, um, I mean, it's the same with the legal profession, right? So I'm, I'm just, the, the medical profession is supposed to be built on the Hippocratic Oath, the do no harm principle, informed consent. These are pretty good principles that existed long before the Western medical system and have still remained in the Western medical system. As you know, I said that this is a poisonous tree and it bears poisonous fruit, but some of the principles are ancient principles which are very powerful. They've existed for so long for a reason. And for almost the entire medical profession, to completely abrogate and forget about the principle of informed consent is a pretty bad sign. Um, and I really just, it's doctors, I mean, in fairness to doctors, a lot of doctors have spoken up and they're getting deregistered by APRA, which is the, um, the body that regulates the medical profession. So they're being very militant, um, just like the law, well, <laughs> It's the same with the legal system. Almost got in trouble there. Um, but I have been disappointed in the medical profession, not more uniformly and collectively taking a more solid stance against this idea that informed consent doesn't matter anymore and that duress is okay. This is, listen, this is what you're dealing with. You're dealing with people who, in general, go along to get along. Now, that's happening on an individual level, within friends, within families. It happens, like you were saying earlier, corporations going along to get along with daddy government and the medical profession. I mean, this is an area that I, I'm very passionate about. My work is involved with it. You know, when it comes to an educational standpoint, a lot of the foundations of modern medicine are built on pseudoscience. And so there's, there's, yes. there's, there's indoctrination, there's training. And you have these people who go through education for years and years and years, and they spend all this money and then they get to wear the big white coat and they get to stand on the pedestal and they get to have the control and their entire identity is built around this. You talk about cognitive dissonance. Imagine coming face to face with the fact that the last 20, 30 years of your knowledge and education and so much that you've been pushing out to the world are based on falsehoods. I Oof. mean, how does someone... How does an individual sit with that? What psychic capacity? Most people don't even have that. And no. so to, to think that like, like doctors are going to stand up in arms and protest and say, government, we stand together. They're, 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 they're drones. They're drones of yeah. this greater system and this greater um, ill that's been you know, pushed on the planet on, on, on society. You know? And again, it comes back down to individualism. It's each, what doctor is heroic? What doctor is like, you know what? Something's weird. I'm going to, I'm going to read something. I'm going to look into something. I'm going to expand my mind and then fuck, I got to make a tough decision, you know, because yes. I got bills to pay. I got a kid in college. I got all of this stuff. And now yeah. wait, I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to just throw it all away. It's very challenging for some people. Indeed. Yeah, indeed. I think you're right. Yeah. And to, to, to me, this is very reminiscent, obviously, of you mean, Yuri Bezmanov's testimony of, of, of socialist subversion. You know, sure, the medical professional and the oaths and stuff might have been built on some kind of reasonable foundations in the first place. But to me, the finger needs to be pointed at the fucking universities. Yeah. Right. Like, what, what kind of indoctrination and brainwashing has been taken there for generations upon generations to, to weed out any semblance of individual rights of someone that's going to stand up? and exemplify some form of heroism in the face of tyranny like it is now, you know? These people yes. are, are, for the most part, not blanketing everyone, but are brainwashed yeah. puppets designed, as your Asimov said, to go along to get along. 
do you do you guys believe um that society as a whole is is um i guess i'll paint two alternatives and maybe this maybe it's not a true alternative but do you believe that society is simply out of balance as part of the process of let's say um consciousness so that the, the hindus have the, the yugas right where they they talk about uh, periods of consciousness and that there is a long epoch where humanity falls out of consciousness and then it falls back into consciousness and they talk about during this time that we're they say it's this time that humanity will become more technology dependent and become more machinistic will become more susceptible to external influence rather than um, internally focused on our on our power and our internal resources um so do you think that society is sort of just out of balance on an individual and collective level and that as the rebalancing occurs um these systems like the medical system will either be replaced by a healthier one or will itself fix itself um or do you think that there is a, a very intentional um group or um group of people or uh or things that are uh infecting or poisoning the collective consciousness with an intent to remove people from who we are um that's something i i wonder about um i'm curious about your thoughts on that uh yeah i think my, my thoughts i think it's both you know i mean i have yeah. no i have no proof of who's sitting around in a boardroom making all the decisions of what's going on you know what i mean but there's definitely something there's definitely an invisible hand that i've noticed over decades of looking into things and observing and paying attention and connecting dots and at the same time i believe in ancient cycles i, I do believe yes. there's things that that impact the consciousness of humanity you know i may not be able to explain it rationally but i i do i do feel that is the case um, and so I also, I always think the situation, the, the solution is you got to come back to individual, you know, you got to do your, like we were talking about earlier, you have to do your individual shadow work. You have yes. to heal as an individual and then come together. And I think these systems, they're, they're done. Like they're not yeah. going to heal themselves from the inside out. What's going to change is what I just said, an individual waking up yes. and then voluntarily collectivizing with like-minded people and going you know what the education system is fucked yes. what can we do can we create little pods of homeschooling and then you know that shifts that and then from an, a medical standpoint like there's there's alternatives out there you know i mean i believe in the the innate power of the body the intelligence of the body the innate healing capacities of the body like so much that's pushed from the modern uh medical paradigm is like i said before is just like garbage outside of you know maybe a small percentage uh, that supports you in emergency care and acute care. Uh, I think most of it's useless and irrelevant as you go deeper and as you expose yourself to different ideologies around health and healing. So I don't know how allopathy all of a sudden just like rewinds and goes, we shall fix this. We shall. And then I just think it's like new systems are going to come into place or more people are going to just make different choices and new systems will come into play as the other ones fall away. Now, I don't know the timeline of that, when that will yeah. happen, but um yeah, it, we're living in curious and interesting times, that's for sure. Indeed. I Indeed. think we're yeah, I think we're living in the best times, man. I I, I, I truly do. And it's like I, I keep taking this broader, this this broader view of everything. And I look at it and it's like there's never been more distrust of allopathy 
There's never been more distrust yes. of mainstream media. There's never been more distrust of of Hollywood, of of the censorship that's taken place, of vaccination. Dude, yes. two 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 years ago, ah uh, yeah, yeah, I could not talk to anyone about a vaccine, dude. No. You even say, uh, you mean a- 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 Agent Smith comes out immediately, bro? Yeah, you couldn't yeah, fucking yeah, yeah. say shit. Now, yeah. so many people are able to hold more space for that com- for that conversation, and even just question yes. the premise of it. Things yeah, yeah. are shifting in the right direction rapidly. Yes. That may be a controversial statement and it may seem as though it might not be the case at all, but everything that happened was necessary. It, it couldn't have taken place any other way. Pressure is necessary to create a diamond. Pressure is yes. necessary for people to for people to wake up, for the CNs to become mobilized, people to be like, hang yes. on, I've beaten this extreme conflict. days, this extreme coma. And yeah. like I just I just look at it all and I'm like, there's this decentralization taking place. There's individuals who are able to maintain integrity and still be in positions of power and still speak to the truth and still have money. I don't think the entire control system is, is collectivized as the quote-unquote truth community believes. I don't believe everyone's a shill. I don't believe everyone's controlled up. I don't believe the entire timeline of things is already predetermined. It's not the case at all. Because if no. you look at it, individual rights on the spec of human history is like not even the tip of my fingernail. It's the newest concept imaginable. And us as human beings are only beginning to realize what it means to be self-responsible, what it means to be an individual, of what it means to to not need any form of tyranny, no empire, no pharaoh, no nothing in order to be responsible for myself. And to me, we're shifting towards that. We're shifting for the most part out of collectivism and towards individualism, and more so than ever towards voluntarism, where individuals who have woken up and reclaimed their own power are able to look at other individuals who don't expect anything from each other, aren't willing to sacrifice each other's needs, wants, and desires for one another, and be like, hey, we're on the same page. Let's work together. Let's create something awesome. I've got money. You've got knowledge. I've got I've got education. I've got this. Let's, let's do something, you know? So I'm so deeply excited about what's possible because you talk we talk about these ancient esoteric concepts you know as above so below as within so without my audience knows this one extremely well obviously but i look at my own journey i created a career out of covid we have this podcast because of what happened the last two years we have a course right which we, which we teach and we, we bring people through to learn about what it means to step more into the individual power because of everything that's taken place because of all the pressure that took place. None of that would have been possible. This life that I'm living now, you asked me two and a half years ago if I think that I'd be here talking to you 67 episodes deep in the podcast with a guy I've never met from LA. Come on, man. Dreaming. Absolutely dreaming. We this is to me, this is the this is the golden era. I think what you're doing, Joel, is um is is you're surfing the wave. Um, um there's this is there's a huge opportunity right now um you said it might be controversial to say that you know this is necessary or i don't think it's controversial i think that um you're speaking the the wisdom of um many ancient cultures from around the world who all told us that this was a period of great awakening they called it different things the ancient egyptians said this was a period of the great awakening of the souls when i say this period i mean 2021 Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the great awakening of the souls, the Mayans called it the apocalypse, but apocalypse doesn't mean, you know, the end of the world. It means a transition. Um, we're clearly living in um, 
very powerful times. There are huge opportunities. You know, um, uncertainty is very fertile ground. When things are looser, you yep. can play with them more. Um, and this podcast is an example of, of people who have um, seen the uncertainty, seen the wave and decided to sort of surf it instead of maybe staring at it or, or think, oh, my God, look at that wave. This is overwhelming. This is crazy. Um, how am I going to deal with this? And that's a good example for, for people to, to look at. Um, uh, it can be difficult in, um, in very highly pressurized external circumstances. Um, and we've all been there because I know you don't say this from a place where you're disconnected from that, Joel, but we've all been there. We all have our own individual struggles. You know, we've mm -hmm. all been, you have to go through it in order to have this perspective. Yeah. Um, but ultimately this is an opportunity and we're all here for a reason. I believe, I believe we chose to come here to this particular time to embody in the individual expressions of the collective consciousness that we're currently embodying. And, um, yes, hugely transformative time for everybody and for the planet. And I'm also very excited about, um, the future. For sure, man. And what happens is, is that you mean, people were given the opportunity to choose integrity over ignorance. And those that yes. chose integrity are being greatly rewarded for choosing yes. integrity. Because now, yes. that, now that all the slow pokes are beginning to wake up, you know, they, they, they realize that they want to work with people that maintained integrity. They want to invest yes. in businesses and individuals who maintained integrity. Because yes. there was a great unveiling that took place. You mean, we, we were able to witness who was authentic, who was inauthentic. Who was Indeed. willing to to remain like standing on their feet, and who was who was willing to basically bend down on their knees in order to maintain this illusion? Because those yes. people, those people decided to buy into the fact that the illusion was going to remain the illusion, that the truth would never come yes. out. And as long as the external illusion remained, then their compromise would also remain in the shadows. But that's that's yes. obviously a very poor decision. As as you say, there was there's a there's a well, there's an incoming and an outgoing tide. And when the tide comes in and, and the wave comes in, uh, you have a choice to make. Will I be authentic? Will I maintain integrity or will I compromise? And with each wave, um, more people make the choice to be authentic. The people who might, I mean, it's probably not your audience, but there's a lot of people who good. seem to still be compromising. Um, and I think what's what, what could be um, important is to sort of, for those, those of us who have been saying things for a while, um, to say to those guys, hey, it's, it's all right, you know, um, if you want to question your position, if you want to question the world in a way maybe you haven't considered before, that's okay. And you're welcome to do that with us because we don't mind that. That's what we're doing. We're questioning this. We're looking at the world we live in and we're trying to just understand our reality and um, do our best. And you're welcome to do that too. And you don't have to be too attached to a position or to anything you did or said in the past um, because we want to think about the collective, we want to think about moving forward. We want things to be better than they are now for everybody. Um, and that's going to be really important, I think, as more people are violently shaken awake and sort of look over at the other camp and say, oh, shit, those guys were kind of right about that. Will they still let me in? Um, um, you have to let them in, I think. And but who, really but who, but who, who, who are we to even give them permission to let them in or not? 
who why what yeah. do you mean like why, why why do we give each other that right for to me this is the yeah. whole problem with, with with the collectivist press with, with the collectivist premise you know what i mean yes it's like it's up to you as an individual I'm, I'm i'm nobody to tell you that you can't wake up on your own terms you know i'm not a, i'm yeah. not a gatekeeper by any means whatsoever no no i guess in in the society we live in we're probably well for a time there's going to be circumstances and situations where um there is gatekeeping going on to some extent um and if there is yeah i think it needs to come from a place of 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 love um but i agree with you on the whole that ultimately there shouldn't be any gatekeeping of that kind going on if they've met to me man if if, if there's gatekeeping there, there, there's 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 a petty tyrant that's still that's still waiting yeah. to be exposed at the end of the day yeah. you know what i mean yeah the, the whole process of waking up is, as an individual is claiming that authority for yourself is you yes. is you meeting the responsibility required to be the highest authority in your life and to not to outsource that to anyone not to any collective not to any government in my opinion not even to god right that is that is your inherent right the fact that you exist gives you that authority you alone are responsible for your life and to me this is what it truly means to wake up is to become responsible to that degree yes yeah yes i agree with you i love right <laughs> i'm loving this conversation man i didn't expect it to, to to go this way but i'm i'm certainly glad it I'm certainly glad it did, man, because these are very important concepts which I think need to be fleshed out. And I'm never going to be I one to that, say here that I'm right and I, I I only know the answers. You know, we we here for the truth. We're not claiming to embody the the and, and know every single aspect of the truth. But I think yes. through these conversations we can get closer to it for sure. That's right. Um, I as I thought about my uh, presence on this podcast, I thought about. Um, what I could bring to it. Um, by the way, it's quite a humbling thing to be asked to come on a podcast called Here for the Truth. I took that as an affirmation um, that I must be doing on the right track. Um, but, you know, I'm a human rights lawyer and um, I've probably, you could probably tell and people listening could probably tell that my um, view of the legal system is not very uh positive and it's because ultimately i think these kinds of conversations are where the real seed of growth is for us as a collective i think that um everybody needs to um be open to receiving information and ideas that maybe they haven't been open to before and that if we can put ourselves in these spaces more often um better systems will grow than the ones that we currently deal with and again, this is where I think it comes down to individual to, because a lot of people can't hear this information based on their trauma, based on their condition. Yes. So it's up to the individual to be able to have the resilience to have someone say something that's completely different than what they've been taught, yeah. what, what they've learned, what they've embodied and go, oh, okay, like I can hold, I can have this conversation. I could communicate, I could take it in and go, hmm, there's some space there. This person actually, you know, is pretty intelligent and they sound pretty rational. Let me, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, yeah. there's not even any space for that. And then all the censorship that's going on too, that we talked about, you know, that's not allowing for, for, for this melting pot of all these ideas and things for people to go in and go, Oh, this is, they're just, they're stuck in their thing. The algorithms keep them in their little box. Their families keep them in the box. A lot of them, you know, it's like the crabs in the bucket analogy, you know? It's like, no, we got to keep everyone in as well. So I don't know. It's just really interesting to have these conversations. And 
yeah. It yeah, is there's it also is a, a go on. Well, oh, I was just gonna uh, say <laughs> <laughs> the floor this, is yours. Well, this actually relates to what I'm saying, which is right. that um you know, these conversations are great. You're Asimos, you're talking about the layers and layers and layers of, of you know, sediment um, that exists for most people. The, the One of the effective things to get through that is when you can actually meet an individual in person and connect um, in a way that humans have connected for hundreds of thousands of years, which you can't quite do over Zoom. Mm-hmm. Um, there's something that's not there. Um, and you know, it's more difficult in this time to reach those people because obviously, you know, there are more restrictions to um having that face-to-face connection than before. There's obviously a, a huge benefit to these platforms as well and getting out to yeah. way more people. But that for that person who's really in the depth of trauma, um that something that can get through to them is if they were in a room with you, Erasmus or Joel, um, I feel like a lot of those people would feel what you're saying and that would immensely help them forward on their journey, um, which, you know, I'm sure is happening for a lot of those people in their own lives. I hope anyway. Yeah. Listen, if there's, if there's a crack and people are, are open for sure, you know, some people, they, they, they don't even have that, but, um, you know, again, I don't know. I was going to go somewhere with this and I forgot, but yeah. I do that all the time, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm also dealing with a, a major headache all day today that I'm navigating. So, oh man, it's all good. You're doing really well. Uh, you've got a headache and that's how you're performing. If I've got a headache, I'm well, I'm well, you should, the first 30 minutes of the podcast, I was not. So yeah, you know. the, the people listening to this podcast would not have known you were even here. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I just had to gather myself and breathe and then just like, like, okay, it's okay. Let's just get into a deep conversation and get passionate, which is where I like conversations to go. <laughs> but yeah. What I wanted to add to that also was that for me in my life and also for the majority of people, I believe they learn via osmosis more than anything else, even more than direct teachings. They learn by seeing someone else embody their truth and live their truth yes. and step into their power. And for some reason, that gives them permission then to, to, to access more of theirs. Oh, I wanted to, now I remember what I wanted to say is, I think a big piece to this too is when you get the understanding that the mainstream media is there to, to push certain agendas or indoctrinate you, and you can turn that off, that gives you the space for new stuff to come in and for you just to get back to yourself. Just to be able to sit with yourself and to go, okay, well, who am I and what am I about? And like these people that I've shunned in my life, like, wait, what am I? And I'm speaking from personal example, for personal experience, like people who have come back to me after a year and been like, I, I mean, you're like my homie, like you're my friend. Like, I don't, I don't know. I was, what was, what was happening? Like, I just needed to like get away. I was really scared. I needed to like heal my trauma. I needed to to just go through my journey. And like, for me, like, oh man, I got so much love for that because there's an yes. openness there. Mm. You know, I'm yes. not trying to say, oh, I was right. You know, there's still differences. It's not like everyone's going to agree with me hundred percent on my views on health and wellness and, and the medical system. But when, and I don't need, I don't need anyone to agree with me. Ultimately what I need is for someone to be open to go, Hey, I'm an individual. I'm going to make my individual choices. You're an individual. You're going to make your individual choices and we're cool. Yeah. Yes. You know, and to honor and respect each individual individual's right to make those personal choices. 
Yes, something that I part of my belief system is that we're all connected in in um, we're all part of a collective entity, and because of that, um, I think that the people who have really bought into what's happening right now are holding on to the identity that they have within it or whatever. And when I look at those people, they don't seem to be happy. They don't seem to be doing very well. It's um, the idea of, you know, I used the analogy before of a poisonous tree bears poisonous fruit. When I was in corporate law world, actually, one of the one of the things that I always, one of my triggers in my journey was I'd always ask lawyers because I tried to avoid being a lawyer for a long time. I knew I didn't really want to be a lawyer. I still don't really want to be a lawyer. It's all right. I, I am still. And I'd always ask lawyers, are you happy? Um, are you, do you actually enjoy this? You know, why are you, why are you doing this? Especially senior lawyers. And they would always give me the same answer, which was um, they'd give me this balancing act where they'd say, oh, look, um, um, it's really stressful. I don't get much time with my kids. Um, my health's not very good, oh, but it pays good. It pays good. And they'd paint this picture where they've made all these compromises and that they're ultimately, they know that they're not happy. They know that they're sick. Um, and one thing that I find is that even those people who are really bought into that system, if you can identify with them on that level of, they know that something is not ideal. Um, there's a, that might be the crack where you can say to them, Hey, are you happy? Um, is working so hard great for you is your you know you you don't seem you know if they start opening about maybe they're not very healthy maybe they understand that the life that they're living doesn't facilitate their purpose doesn't facilitate who they are um, I think most people can feel I guess what I'm saying is most people can feel that the system they live within is not really serving them and then it's a matter of um, maybe giving them a few points of awareness um, or some, maybe some tools to help them, uh, take a few steps forward. Um, but there is a shared, I mean, even the people who advocate for the system are not benefiting from it for the most part, except from maybe a few people at the top, but even that benefit I would say is not legitimate. It might be financial. Um, but ultimately what is having a lot of money are those people really fulfilled as human beings if they are human beings we maybe won't go there yeah we and maybe podcast number two we can go there <laughs> um, and again it, it each individual needs to decide like some of these people have built careers 10 20 30 years and they they they, they have the system that just filled into their life with the houses and the cars and and all this stuff that this job that they don't really like and they're not really happy with and that's caused their health to yes. plummet then it's like talk about dark night of the soul you yeah. know, like that's a serious dark night of soul that many people are, they just, they don't know how to, to make that decision to go, I'm going to, what else am I going to do? You know? Yes. So I'm actually curious because I wanted to get personal because you were keep talking about like, well, I didn't know if I was going to be a lawyer. I didn't know if I want to do law. I don't know if I <laughs> still want to do law. So I'm curious. I want to answer, right. answer it for you. Okay. And for Peter. Oh, can I ask my question? I already know your question, but go finish it. My question is, what do you want to do? Well, I want to answer the question. Okay, answer the question. This, this is Peter's future career, and you can, you can owe me $10,000 later, but you're going to um, uh, be a coach and mentor to corporate types that want to develop more meaning in their life and they want to exit the rat race. 
Uh, oof, I've never contemplated doing that. Um, I know you directly. <laughs> um, it's a. I'll, I'll let you know how I go. <laughs> I. I. Uh, to what I currently think about. Well, I'm in a. I'm in a. Um, I'm in a, a position where a lot of people are asking me for legal help, and I'm transitioning out of. Um, I feel that I'm tra- transitioning out of that system where I'm working as a lawyer, I'm in the courts, I'm helping people with these very uh, minute problems. And the, the dichotomy within Mark's method is that ultimately I'm just trying to be myself. And by being myself, what that means is um, I do... I do uh, coaching and mentorship is is something that I do and something that I want to do more of. Um, um, I haven't specifically thought about doing it for corporate types. I mean, the the resistance I have to that is, although I think... It's the path you walked, bro. Ultimately, it's the path you, it's the path you walked. It's what you know. It's the transformation you're able to facilitate. It may, it may not land with you fully now, but sit with it. I will sit with it. I will sit with it. <laughs> it's a good idea. Send me all your birth information too, but we can look up your human design as well and we can check into that. No. <laughs> yeah, guys, rise above the herd, eight-week course, kicking off again in May. You can sign up. <laughs> uh, so good. Sorry, hey, guys. Peter. Oh, you're right. I've got a I've got a very important question for you. All right. Okay. What did the left eye say to the right eye? I don't know. Between you and me? Something smells. <laughs> oh my god, dude! Are you giving me a dad joke? Because I'm it's a dad, dad joke. Dad, it's a dad joke. Oh, you can use that one, bro. You're gonna be a dad soon, <laughs> right? Yes. Um, in like a matter of days, or oh. maybe, maybe, maybe days, maybe weeks. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's imminent. It's imminent. It, yeah, my wife and I are about to have a daughter. Amazing. Yes. Indeed, <laughs> it's Ooh. a real chance for me to look at my own, um, look at myself and say, Hey, dude, you're gonna have to learn a lot of things very quickly. Um, and uh, have my own uh, getting out of bed moment as well. As a, I'm yes, sure right. it's going to be a beautiful experience. It, it, it is, man, and it will be. And that more than anything else will, will fast track you into even deeper authenticity and truth quicker than anything you can possibly imagine. Um, that's, that's, mm-hmm. that's what that did for me anyway, for sure. Yes. Um, and, bro, we both sincerely hope everything goes really well throughout the whole process. Now, the real, the real, the real final question. Um, okay. okay. If, if you had all of social media at your disposal and you could send one message and every single person on planet earth with a social media platform or device or account would receive your message. What would that message be? Gee, what responsibility? Um, It has to be love. I know it's a bit, I know it's cliche, but I think that, I think that love is the best, uh, foundation block that we have um i whenever i don't know what to do um i know that if i choose love and i don't mean love as a um religious idea 
um, love is much more um, powerful than how it's been diluted and, and referred to in lots of different ways. Um, it's not all sunshine and rainbows, but I would, I would say that in our day-to-day, -day, if each human being could, because this is a message to everyone, if each human being could make their decisions based on love, um, that would be an immediate uh, course correction and it would individually and collectively transform the planet. Um, and I say that from the perspective of someone who often doesn't make that choice. But I know that when I do, you'll, you know, Joe Dispenza says your personality creates your personal reality. Um, if I could send one message to everybody, that's the message that I would send. Just so you know, you can't send that on, on Twitter. You would have uh, exceeded the character limit. <laughs> oh, indeed. Oh, was I supposed to contain it? To no, I'm just kidding. It? I just messed with That's why I don't have a Twitter because I don't know <laughs> yeah. how you're supposed to do that. I mean, maybe I will. Would there be emojis? Would there not be emojis? I guess we'll never die. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Indeed. <laughs> dude, man, thank you so much. Yeah, oh, dude. No well, well, well said, bro. So glad to be able to connect deeper over the past 90 minutes, man. You're doing incredible things. I honestly honor you for choosing authenticity in, in, in your life and continuing to stand in integrity. Um, where can our people find you? Um, if you have any offers, how can they get to you, um, et cetera? Um, I have a, a telegram. Um, it's the, the Peter Fam telegram. Um, we have a website, which is martsmethod.com.au. Um, there's a contact form on there. Um, I'm uh, starting to uh, broadcast more and provide more outside of the legal realm because, uh, you know, people will come to me for different things. And one of the main things people still come for is legal help. If you want legal help, um, contact at martsmethod.com.au, but it's just me. Mm -hmm. So um, I, I'm doing my best and um, I'll do my best to get back to you. Each legal problem is, is a very, um, is a mammoth task. So I just give that disclaimer, but I'll do my best. People can reach me there. If you just want to connect, uh, maybe follow me on Telegram. That's probably the best thing right now. Um, I want to say as well to you guys, um, you know, thank you for, holding this space. I like the way you characterized here for the truth. Um, I think it's so important that these spaces exist, that these messages are sent out into the world. Um, at this time in history, um, it is a huge act of, of bravery and it's, it's an act of love to stand in your truth consistently, um, irrespective of the external world and whatever else is going on to maintain that authenticity and to send that message out. It's very helpful. And to use one analogy, the, the reason I came across Joel through seeing your uh, Instagram uh, posts, I guess they're called, in early 2020. And it's like, I think I said this to you when we first spoke, it's like a little bit of medicine. If you're going through a difficult external environment and you're not sure you know, if, um, what to do, or you're not sure, you know, you're just dealing with it as best you can. And then you see something that resonates as true. It's very helpful. So what you guys are doing is sorry for all that, buddy, my phone's gone off. Cause that's the lawyer side of things. Um, <laughs> what you guys are doing is extremely valuable and I admire it and, and just, uh, send you love and support.
Thanks. Thank I think you. your phone's going off. A lot of people heard you were on here for the truth. So yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, indeed. <laughs> Thank you so much for that acknowledgement, man. And dude, yeah. we're gonna put all your links in the show notes so people can access you um, pretty easily. I definitely recommend joining your 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 Telegram, particularly for any Australians. A lot of awesome information in there. Guys, thank you so much for listening to Here for the Truth. And we'll see you next time. Take care. Smoke and mirrors, I'm seeing through the illusion. Waking up in a time, they think you're in a delusion. Somebody set the alarms, cause they be too busy snoozing. I'm in a DeLorean. Fast forward in evolution to a place where we can share that confusion. Yeah, 450 BC, I'm sharing tea with